very unusual structure. The moon of Mars. Of course I'm going to specify. There's a monolith. We've discovered a base on the back side of the moon. The scientist pulled out one of these mosaics and showed this base. Geometric shapes, there were towers, there were uh, spherical uh, buildings. There were very tall towers and things that looked somewhat like radar dishes. But there were large structures. We interrupt our program to bring you a special broadcast. Welcome to the Zero Brain Podcast, the show that focuses on the unexplained. I'm Dave Grave, your host, and like always, we got an awesome episode lined up for you today. Here we go. Chapter 14. Lights and flashes and flares. Let there be light for life. Hey, shouted Harrison H. Smith, lunar module pilot for the Apollo 17 space vehicle. It was during the first revolution around the moon on that mission. I just saw a flash on the lunar surface. It was just out there, north of Grimaldi. You might see it if you got anything on your seismographs, although a small impact probably would give a fair amount of visible light. It was a bright little flash near the crater at the north edge of Grimaldi, the fairly sharp... It was the same area where the command module pilot during the Apollo 16 flight also reported seeing a flash of bright light. The next day, during the 14th revolution around the moon, the command module pilot for Apollo 17, Ronald E. Evans, also reported seeing a flash near the rim at Mare Orientale. His comments as taped during the flight were, Hey, you know, you will never believe it. I am right over the edge of Orientale. I just looked down and saw a flash. Saw a light flash myself, right at the end of the rill that is on the east of Orientale. NASA publicly attributes many of the flashes seen on the moon to meteorites striking. Others are blamed on cosmic rays going through the eye. One interesting facet of the transcripts quoted above, however, along with the report from Apollo 16, is this. Two meteorites have almost no chance of striking the identical spot on successive days. The odds against it happening are prohibitive. And the cosmic ray hypothesis does not hold water for these particular sightings either. Cosmic rays cause generalized flashes and cannot be pinpointed as to an exact location within a crater, and move laterally across the eyeball as opposed to flashing. But it is easier to reach out for any explanation than to create waves in the pond of orthodoxy. Dr. Farouk Elbaz helped train these astronauts. I am indebted to Joseph Goodovich for the report of the following statement referred to earlier, made by Dr. Elbaz when he was questioned about the many anomalies associated with moonlights which could not be explained naturally. He's quoted as saying this, The one thing I can't explain, that I do not know about or what it could be, are these enormous flashes of light. There's no question about it. They are very tremendous things. Not comets, not natural. Three were seen over the western part of the moon, one by Ken Mattingly on Apollo 16, and two by Ron Evans and Jack Smith on Apollo 17. Enormous flashes of lights. 
No person knew more about the physics and geology of the moon than Dr. Elbaz, and he was certainly familiar with the cosmic ray light flash phenomenon. If they are not natural or a mistaken perception by the astronauts, then they must be associated with the intelligent occupants of the moon. The light flashes resulting from cosmic rays occurred even when the men were blindfolded during a test on the Apollo 17 missions. The flashes were described as almost instantaneous and could never be associated with real flashes on the ground. On several occasions, the astronauts saw bright lights and craters. Once, a light was seen rising slowly up from the dark moon horizon. On Apollo 16, Ken Mattingly said, Another strange sight over here. It looks like a flashing light. Think it's Annabelle? Now, Annabelle was, of course, a code word for something to be on the lookout for and probably meant something like manufactured construction or moving object. Another code word was Barbara. Meteorites do not create flashing lights, nor has the light flash phenomenon from cosmic rays ever confused the highly trained astronauts. One would hope so, because if that's all it took to confuse an astronaut, what's he doing being an astronaut, right? <laughs> Now, astronomers have reported strange bright lights in the craters Aristarchus and Plato, among hundreds of others. Ruby red color flashes have been seen repeatedly in Aristarchus. They cover up to several miles long and are often seen over dome-like structures. Now, the Russians have documented luminescent glow in Aristarchus. Spectrographic analysis of these glows showed emission lines similar to those of molecular hydrogen gas. These flashes and glows are not generally seen when the sun hits the central peaks. That is, they cannot be attributed to the sun. Otherwise, they would be a common phenomenon at the time of day. Moore says that flashes on the moon are very rare indeed. However, some have been recorded notably by Alpo. Not the dog food. It's the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. Observers, and by Suneo Saheki in Japan, who on the 25th of August in 1950 saw what he termed a stationary yellowish-white flare lasting for a quarter of a second. Rare? Thousands of reports of flashes, glows, and flares add up to rare? F. H. Thornton, in 1948, saw a brilliant flash of light at the western rim of Plato. He likened it to the flash of an anti-aircraft shell exploding in the air 10 miles away. M. K. Jessup, a mathematician astronomer who was one of the first serious writers to link the moon with UFOs, reported from his research that specks of light lasting an hour or more were seen all during the 19th century. Lights are rare on the moon? Vulcanism is also blamed for lights. I quote from the Apollo 17 Preliminary Science Report, NASA SP-330-1973. Quote, With the conclusion of Apollo 17, it has been suggested that volcanic activity in the highland region subsequent to approximately 3 billion years ago may be highly restricted or virtually non-existent. Apollo experiments investigating whether the moon is alive or dead indicate that compared with Earth, the moon is seismically quiet. A quiet moon is consistent with the conclusion that volcanism and other types of tectonic activity have been rare or absent from the lunar surface for the last two to three billion years. 
from the Apollo program, we can conclude that the moon at one time was very much alive and now is very quiet. So, lights on the moon are not thought to be caused by volcanic action. Keep in mind the conundrum posed by the NASA statement, if the moon is so quiet, how then can we account for the high seismic readings in the Bolealdus lubiniki area? And meteoric impacts cannot account for lights lasting minutes or an hour. And the sun hitting the mountain peaks at dawn cannot account for lights in an area where the sun is not due to shine for days. And there is no spontaneous combustion of escaping gases because fire does not burn without available oxygen. Now, when we see the lights on the moon coming from the same places in craters, when we see flares lasting minutes and hours, we are looking at light created by the occupants of the moon. These lights are the logical result of their activity in constructing things, mining, repairing, moving about, and perhaps, just once in a while, enjoying themselves. Herschel, that musician-turned-astronaut who discovered the planet Uranus, saw during a total eclipse about 150 very bright spots scattered over the surface of the moon. Dozens of observers have reported seeing glimmering blue lights. Specklings of lights are common. These clusterings sometimes look like bright needle points huddling together. The record shows that white dots of lights in an arc have been seen often, particularly in the Mari Crisium. In 1821, a light shone out with startling brightness from the crater Aristarchus for two days in February. Then it was seen again by others. Then twice in May, the same sharp light shone from the same crater. Gruthusian, back in 1824, watched a light in one location flash intermittently for a full half hour. Charles Fort wrote about signal-like light seen on the moon. He took his data from scientific journals, minute dots and streaks of light in Mare Crisium. The phenomena recurred over and over, 120 years of light in Mare Crisium. And he told of designs in the lights, two straight lines of lights with a dark band between them, which was covered with luminescent points. This configuration, obviously of intelligent design, was cited by Gruthusian in Messier. Hodgson saw a bright light on December 11, 1847, and the light flashed intermittently. Charles Fort liked to fancy they were signaling. The years 1864 to 1865 were great for Picard in the Mare Crisium region. It is a smallish crater that you can easily miss if conditions are not good for viewing, but a man named Herbert Engel watched a small point of light there glitter like a star. It was seen by others over long periods of time, and then it was gone, replaced by a cloud. For those who observed with any regularity during the first half of the 19th century, the moon was a prime performer. It glittered and sparkled and flared and flashed. These years since the turn of the century have been fascinating, and NASA's efforts, pictures, and landings have made them astounding. The lights continue. Bert and Elgar saw an extraordinary arrangement of lights in Plato that they combined with other moon observers to study and chart them. The lights were fixed in location, but rose and fell in intensity. Fort reports that in up to April of 1871, the Salonographers had recorded 1,600 observations on the fluctuations of Plato's lights. These observations on the fluctuations of Plato's lights, these with graphs and complete records, 
were deposited in the library of the Royal Astronomical Society. Now, could anybody possibly say lights on the moon are rare? The Astronomical Register reported that a Prague astronomer saw on April 24, 1874, a dazzlingly white object slowly crossing the surface of the moon. He continued to watch it after it left the moon. Thirteen years later, a luminous triangle was watched on the floor of Plato. In the same year, several observers watched flakes of light moving toward Plato from all the other craters of the moon. This year, some readers may know what is in the so-called incredible decade on Earth. Incredible because of the unidentified objects which flew everywhere. Incredible because the two moons of Mars were discovered for the first time officially. They'd been written about before in fiction by Dr. Asaf Hall. Incredible because of an airship hysteria rampaged across the country as something was tracked from coast to coast and back to Chicago. And Plato. Normally a dark, brooding, walled plain near the northern edge of the moon, blazed with lights. I like to think of Plato as convention headquarters for the occupants of the moon. A blizzard of shining points glittering into light drifts in Plato, wrote Charles Fort in New Lands. Quote, then the denizens of Aristarchus and of Kepler and the dwellers of the lunar Alps, each raising his torch, marching on a triangular path, mar- making the triangle shine in the dark. But lights on the moon do not fit in with the current lunar theory. That volcanism is practically non-existent. That a meteorite flash cannot last for a minute. That a meteorite flash also cannot move around and change colors. So, lights on the moon are rare. Rarer still are the astronomers who communicate in common sense terms the really important things happening to this earth and moon. Lunar Transient Phenomena Study NASA began studying transient phenomena on the moon during the 1960s in earnest. LTP of interest included anything showing movement, color, light, obscuration, anything different from the usual. In the June 1972 issue of Strolling Astronomers, NASA announced a formal program for observing lunar transient phenomena. An urgent appeal was made for observers those with appropriate-sized telescopes and the sufficient experience to understand the main objectives and operating methods. 32 observers responded. Each observer was assigned four sites which had repeatedly shown LTP in the past, one non-LTP site for comparison, and one of the zones from which positive seismic reports have been received. Now, only six observers reported with any regularity, and then not always on the features assigned to them. One conclusion to draw from this is that astronomers, both professional and amateur, will do what they want to do when they want to do it. Patrick Moore of England cataloged lunar transient phenomena, and almost random sampling from his and W.S. Cameron's collection reveals that the following events have been happening for hundreds of years on the moon and still go on. Blinking reddish colorations, star-like points, brightenings, pulsations and blue lights on the top peaks of the crater floor have all been reported in Aristarchus. Blinking, needle points, moving lights, and red color have been sighted in Plato. Star-like points during eclipses have been sighted in a dozen or more craters. Brightening, blinking on the outer wall and then on an inner wall, a pinkish glow on the floor, 
and moving shadows on the wall have been seen in Gas and D. Blinking on the inside wall, the appearance of fog cascading down the slope and a cluster of spots of light have been reported in Erastathenes. Two spots blinked red for 28 minutes in Biela. A very bright blink in one small craterlet, a dim blink in another, and a bright red flash for 15 seconds were sighted in Rabbi Levi. The west rim was colored yellow ochre with a thin cloud in Posidonius. An intermittent glow for two hours brightening an obscuration of the inner wall, a flash of first magnitude on the central peak, a reddish glow followed by obscurations, brightness lasting several minutes on the peak, flashing on the top of the inside wall, a pinkish color to peaks and walls, an orange-pink glow on central mountains have all been reported in Theophilus. All that's happening there. Holy fuck. Reddening in a fan formation following a bright area was seen south of Madler. A pulsing white glow on the external west slope was sighted in Tycho. The north wall was covered red and green. Northwest wall, very brilliant, a brightening of the whole crater, an alternate brightening of the southern half at 15 second intervals. Red color on the north-northwest wall for 18 minutes were reported phenomena in Proclus. And on and on. There were other lists. There are countless observations of strange events not reported. There are probably countless more which take place but are never seen due to poor viewing conditions. W.S. Cameron of NASA, who, along with Moore and Bartlett, has perhaps done more work in this field than anyone else. He has a collection of well over 900 LTP dating back to the 16th century. Now, some of Cameron's points in relation to these phenomena are as follows. On star-like points, the fact that they are star-like points rules out the Earth's atmosphere and indicates that they are 0.5 to 2 seconds of arc in dimension, which is equivalent to 0.5 to 2 miles of the moon's surface. If they are glints, it is puzzling that they are not seen at every lunation and that they were seen one night but not the next under similar, very good seeing conditions. Clearly this phenomenon he's explaining, it may be an instrumental effect, but there are several puzzling aspects concerning the matter. On Obscurations Although the short-lived brightenings and star-like points might be considered to have explanations in instrumental, atmospheric, and geometric effects, there are other phenomena that seem to represent genuine, abnormal situations on the moon. There are too many instances of obscuration or mists reported in which a portion of a crater or feature was fuzzy or blotted out while everything else around was very sharply visible. The fact that these are seen in only certain features suggests that these are lunar phenomena and not terrestrial. On the origin of LTP, from the analysis in the present paper, Results from the other lines of study and long and thoughtful consideration of the reports, it is concluded that the LTP are generally of internal origin and not much subject to external influences, at best only weakly so. The phenomena seem to be of several kinds and may involve gas or a gas and dust mixture, luminescence of these gases and possibly luminescence of surface materials. On the nature of the gases themselves, a few events have been recorded spectrographically, 
The constituents or gases identified in 6 were C2, H2O, and N2, which are common constituents in terrestrial volcanic gases. These are gaseous forms of carbon, hydrogen, and nitrogen. The internal activity must be mostly a gentle degassing, a leaking of gas and not volcanic on the terrestrial scale. If there were much of the latter, permanent changes would be expected to be observed, which isn't the case. A few events seem to be of a magnitude that suggests volcanism, but most are not. One deals with the perimeters of dark maria on the theory that the maria were made by huge lava flows and that trapped gas under the lava flows seeps out around the edges. Second, sunrise on the moon on the theory that the sun touches off certain light effects by ultraviolet excitations of gases escaped during the night. The third theory is that Earth's magnetic tail accelerates solar particles which may reach local areas on the moon. The fourth concerns tidal effects. The theory is that tides on the moon are waterless, but more significant than those of Earth. Thus, they can greatly affect the depth levels of gas trapped beneath the surface, particularly at eccentric apogees. The fifth possibility is solar flare particles on the theory that they can create luminescent excitation. The basis for the sixth theory is low-angle illumination, which renders any existing medium more visible than at which high sun angles. But W.S. Cameron doubts the validity of weak correlations with any of the hypotheses put forth to explain the lunar transient phenomena. She indicates her belief that many different reasons exist for them. In other words, this group of lights in Plato may be caused by luminescence from solar flares that glow on Aristarchus from volcanism, etc. What are we to make of the data and work done to date? Let's take the reasons NASA and the scientists put forth to explain LTP one by one. 1. Gas escapes from beneath large lava deposits which cover the dark maria. It escapes from around the edges. What accounts for the obscurations and lights in the middle of the maria? On top of peaks, on the side of crater walls, how does gas show up as brilliant as lights? 2. Sunrise on the moon touches off light effects by ultraviolet excitation of gases. Why are so many lights not seen at sunrise? 3. The Earth's magnetic tail accelerates solar particles which reach local areas on the moon. If this were true, the lights and the glows and the flashes would be general, random, and not confined to about 90 specific locations on the moon. 4. Tidal effects on the moon tend to cause gases to escape at eccentric apogees. So, gases escape. Escaping gases do not normally have various colors, various patterns, and various rhythms. 5. Solar flare particles create luminescent excitation. As in 3, above, why are they confined to special areas? If escaping gases in special areas are excited, why do they blink in rhythm and in different colors? Why are there bright points of light equivalent to patches up to 2 miles in diameter? Can brilliant flares of light be compared with simple luminescence? 6. Low-angle illumination makes existing media more visible than a high sun angle. 
This hypothesis makes no sense at all in explaining the wide variety of LTP. Yes, a ridge on the moon becomes more visible at a low-angle illumination, but a low-angle illumination does not create patterns of lights, flares, blinking, obscurations, etc. 7. Volcanic action causes belching fire, which causes the lights, and smoke, which causes the obscurations. NASA admits that the moon is relatively dead, so far as current volcanism is concerned. And eruptions of that size would result in definite changes and other observable evidence. 8. Meteorites striking rock and breccia create flashes. But not long-lasting flares, patterns of light at the same time, different colors, obscurations, etc. The scientists go on reaching out, striving desperately to find a natural cause for LTP. Finally arriving at the point where they settle for... Quote, if one of these hypotheses does not fit, then all or several in conjunction must be true. Unquote. They avoid consciously or unconsciously the simple truth that occupants on the moon cause lunar transient phenomena as they go about their very purposeful business. And, Air- and Lauren Isley, the anthropologist whose writing makes your nervous system vibrate, touched a spider's web with a pencil and concluded that in the world of the spider, he did not exist. Then he asked the unexpected universe, Harcourt, Brace, and World in 1969, is man at heart any different from the spider? Man thoughts, as limited as spider thoughts, what is it we are part of that we do not see, as the spider was not gifted to discern my face or my little probe into her world? that's the end of chapter 14. Next episode, we're going to be reading chapter 15, which is ground markings, insignia, and high-rise signals. This is the Zero Brain Podcast. I'm Dave Grave. We'll see you on the next episode. Peace. All right, that's the end of the show. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, and follow on every major social media avenue you see the Zero Brain Podcast at. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Buzzsprout.com, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. I'm Dave Grave. Again, this is the Zero Brain Podcast. You guys have a great day. Peace.